Good morning. Let's pray together as we begin. Father, thanks so much for this time, this day, uh, the wonderful blessing of being your children, Lord. And uh, Lord, this morning as I listened to uh, and was blessed to sing along with my brothers and sisters, Father, it's exciting to be part of your family. I was excited to be part of your family. I was thrilled in the truth of the songs that, we, that we're singing, Lord, to you. And thank you that we could participate uh, in worship to you, that you would make us family and allow us to be part of that. Father, our, our worship to you is so healing. So thank you for the hearts here today. Thank you for all you're doing among us. Father, I pray for a blessing for everyone here, and I know that you've already been doing that. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless us and teach us and lead us and be with those who aren't here today, Father. I pray for hope and encouragement for them. I pray for a great reminder that they belong to you and they belong to us, and we like that. And Father, thanks for Lonnie. That's really neat. And Father, it's just fun when you keep doing what you do. We know that you love us and, uh, and you want us to be with you, and you're going to get us home one day, and that's exciting. Be with us now, Lord. Move me out of the way so that you can honor yourself and encourage us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Question. Have you ever struggled um, for significance? You don't have to answer that because we know we have, right? Wrestling and struggling with significance is a place where we often live. Um, what does it matter? Uh, what, what is this all about? What am I about? What's going on here? What do I fit in all of this? And, and how would I ever find out if, if, if I do or where I do? Significance is a really big deal. And, and if you're like me and, uh, and so many others in the world, the wrestling for, for significance leads you to press for finding significance. And often when we press for finding we press in a lot of places um, that aren't really healthy. We look for significance or identity in a lot of things. Um, my job. I, I think that I am what I do. And so I, I start finding significance in my job. And, and before long, everything is poured into there. And my identity is minister or preacher or teacher or um, construction worker, doctor, lawyer, um, whatever the case would be, nurse, whatever you do, um, suddenly your significance is there and, and, and becoming really good at it and great at it. And then when days aren't great, your significance isn't so great, right? When you retire, now what do I do? If you change positions and, and the coworkers or the or those who you spend your time with they don't see you the same. Now, now what do I do? Maybe your significance is um, where you go to school. I, I'm a Minford Falcon. Westsider. Um, yeah, I know. I could do that a lot better for you Westsiders. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe you're uh, from Northwest or somewhere like that or Valley Indians. And I'm, you know, I mean, we could get some hoo-hoos or something like that going, but... I don't think so, but, but we do that, don't we? Or maybe your significance is in that sports team that you play for. That I, I remember being there. I remember finding significance in that. And when, when, when my day was going really well, my significance was rocking. When it's not going so well, I'm not doing so great. 
And some would say, well, you can't play sports forever, but some have. Some folks go through um, junior high or, or they start in the, at the lowest level, little league, and press all the way through. They become a professional athlete. And so many of them get to the end of their life or into their careers, and then they don't know what to do with themselves. They no longer feel significant or, or that anything going on matters. Maybe you look for significance in this. Jacob, if you click. Maybe you find significance here. Next, please. Or here, even worse. My Facebook status, I'm, I've got a lot of friends. More than the friends, I've got a lot of likes. Right? I mean, we do this, right? I mean, think about when you post something on Facebook. Click, check, click, check. Not me. I mean, I don't check to see how many likes I have. But I know that for the most part, we do. That's a joke. Next, or here. And if you hit that again, or better yet, maybe you know this sign a little bit better, the bird. And maybe you like to tweet a lot, and you find your significance in your little online community. How many people do this to your tweets? Oh, yeah. Retweeted 47 times. Retweeted 63 times. Retweet with comment even more. That's awesome. Or here. What's this? Come on. Instagram, they said with a low rumble. And maybe you find your significance in this. See the little heart at the bottom in the comment? How many hearts do I have today? Keep pressing, Jacob. Or here. What kind of phone do you have in your pocket? That's a big deal to a lot of folks. What phone am I carrying today? The LG G3. It's so fast sometimes I can't catch my breath. It's like, whoa, next or maybe this is yours. Maybe you're a little back in time, like 1934, and you have the slider, Katie. <laughs> or this one, the flip phone. Hey, wait, now one day, if you could pause here for a moment, we were at dinner not so long ago, and, and uh, we were all sitting around. I won't mention any names, Mark and uh, Gabe and some others, and we laid our phones out just to show um, how dinosaur-related some of us are, and some of us still had these and I'm not sure the screen still worked, but the phone did. And, and maybe a comment would say, well, if I get attacked by somebody, I can use my phone to beat them down, but you can't. But, but an upgrade from this is this. Yeah, right there. That's your first upgrade for some of you flip phoners. I mean, that's it right there. What is that, 1950-something, the first effort? But, but it's an upgrade from the flip phone. And here's my phone right now. I'm using this phone because my other phone broke. It had a great stereo. And I love music. So you know me. I love music and I love pictures. And my phone, my other phone, which was the HTC One M8, had an incredible stereo and camera. And the camera messed up on the way to Tulsa. So not that it was used on anybody. but, but And so now I'm using this. Go ahead, Jake. Or maybe this is your... Maybe this is where you look to for significance. One more. Or last night here. Oh, yeah, I know a lot of Kentucky Wildcat fans that need a lot of water this morning because they sweated a whole lot last night in that game. That's a wrestle, isn't it? And we, we wrestle for significance, something that matters, and we seek, we seek to find something that would fill us, that would make us belong. And the sports teams are a big one, our, our, our team affiliates. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers, and when they do well, it speaks well of me, and I like to tell everybody about it. When they don't do so well... I, I, what's that say about me? Got to pick a loser? Am I a loser? 
I mean, I go to Menford, but, but Valley, or, or what, what's that say about me? And we press in and try to find those places, the clothes I wear, the car I drive. Sometimes it's my education, my, my earning potential, what my 401k has. We really search for identity in a lot of things and, and, and significance in a lot of things. But here's what I want to tell you. All of these things that we wrestle with, all of them, they're significant, but they're really insignificant. They make a difference, but they don't make much difference. What we're looking for is a difference that would make all the difference. And I want to encourage you today that, that Jesus Christ is the difference, that God is the difference. God's presence is the difference that makes all the difference. God's, God's presence is our game changer, if you will. His presence, His being with us, His loving us, our acknowledging of it and understanding it is the difference that makes all the difference. He's the real deal. And if you want to um, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Tom read this so well this morning. And God said, I will be with you. I apologize, Tom didn't read this when he read the other verse. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me. Background here. Moses is, is tending sheep and, 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 and God comes to him in the form of a burning bush. And he comes to him and tells him, I want you to go lead my children out of Israel. They've been in captivity for 400 plus years. Moses has fled here because he actually had killed... Uh, he had killed one of uh, the Egyptians, and he's, he's run away in fear of that catching up with him. He's been here for a while, and God shows up in the bush and says, I want you to go lead my children out of Egypt. Rightly so, Moses is a bit anxious about this. They've been there a long time, and they're very um, embedded in the culture, society, and everything else. And so he challenges him, I want you to go lead them out. Who am I? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's the first thing we do when we're wrestling for anything. It's me. Who am I? What, what can I do here? How can I fix this? What am I supposed to do? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am, and this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am, have sent me, has sent me. Moses had a speech impediment. Some thinks he stuttered. Some, thinks, some folks think that he stuttered. Some don't know what it was, but they know he didn't speak very well. He had issues with that. Maybe he stuttered. I don't know. 
But I, I know this, he was very insecure in himself. And he wrestled with who he was. I'm going to go. If I go, what am I going to say? It doesn't matter. You just tell him I sent you. And God's presence is the, the game changer. In Exodus chapter 33, the story here, if you would pause, go back one, Jake, just for a minute. That's not distracting. Moses, Moses is on the mountain getting the, the, the Ten Commandments of the Law. God is spending time with Moses. And while he's there, the Israelites are concerned because he's been gone a really, really long time. And in that time, they say to Aaron, um, Moses has been gone a really long time. And, uh, and, and so why don't you make us an image, make us something to worship. And so Aaron says, give me your earrings and all of your gold. And he fashions this calf. He, 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 he melts it down, fashions this calf for them to worship. And they begin to worship. And God, with Moses on the mountain, says, um, you, uh, <laughs> you need to go deal with your people down there. They, they've turned away. They've become rebellious. And he, and he reminds them that they are stiff-necked people. And so Moses goes down, and, and, and as the story unfolds, um, there's a calling to rightness. There's a moving to rightness. And God is, or Moses is next, uh, shortly being seen in the, in the tent of meeting with God. God has told him that he is not going to go on with them because they are a stiff-necked people. And I'm liable to kill you or likely to kill you along the way. How would you like that to be God, what God said to you? <laughs> You're a stiff-necked person. And if I go with you from here to Minford, I'm probably going to kill you. I just don't know what to do with you. And they were. I mean, they were very rebellious. In fact, as soon as the calf, as soon as it's finished and they're worshiping it, they say, worship the one who brought you out of Egypt. I mean, they just fashioned it out of the stuff they had in their ears, and they're worshiping it as God. So Moses, after, after the story unfolds, he's in the tent. God's not going to go with them. His presence, not going, his presence is not going to go with them. And this is where this text comes in. Moses says to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What's significant about us if you don't go? What matters about us if you don't go? How are we different than anyone else? And as an as a, as a individual who is a child of God and as one who is a part of this family that he's put me in, I have to be asking the same question of myself. What's different about me if God's not in me? And what's different about this family if it's not God's first? If he's not in it, if his presence isn't with us, if he, if he isn't doing his thing through and with us. And the scripture presses on in Exodus chapter 34 as Moses goes back on the mountain. By the way, background again. When he came down off the mountain, he had the tablets of the Ten Commandments, and he was furious with what was going on, and he broke them. 
So God tells him, fashion some tablets and come back up. We're going to deal with this breaking of the, of the tablets. And, and, he, and, he, and God writes the Ten Commandments back on the tablets. Or writes, and, um, and this is what that passage captures after that. When he comes down from the mountain, it says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the, of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. Next, please. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then, the, then Moses would put the veil back over his face until, until he went in to speak with the Lord. So, so Moses is, is with the Lord. He's spending time with God. And there is a physical difference. Obviously, there is, there is a really, really deep difference. But there's a physical difference in his being with the Lord. He's, his face is glowing. It's really difficult to be in the presence of God and something not change. It's a, it's a, it's a common discussion. I was wrestling, and I spent some time in prayer, and, and, and my outlook changed. I was really struggling with what was going on, and I went to the Word, and the Lord gave me just what I needed. Spending time with God makes a difference in us. God's presence is the difference that makes all the difference. In Acts chapter 4, there was, a, there was a lame beggar pleading as Paul and Silas were passing by, and they asked for, he asked for a healing. And they said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up, walk. And, and as he's healed... There's a conversation that happens, and they're taken away and put in jail for the night because of the discussion that, that, that comes down from there. And the next day, they are told as they're as they released uh, not to be speaking in this name, and the comment that they make about it is so interesting. It says that, if you would hit that, uh, Jacob, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, sorry, Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When they realized the courage as they, as they lived out the story in front of these men, as they were taken to jail and, com- and continued to be who they were called to be, continued to tell the story, whose power is it that, this, that you healed this man? Well, if, if you must know... It's this Jesus whom you crucified and God raised from the dead. It's his power that has raised this man. And when they saw their courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note. They took note that they had been with Jesus. Wouldn't it be cool if the significance in your life, the difference in your life when people took note of you, 
wrestled with you, why you are, who you are, why I am, who I am, they had to say, man, I don't know. It seems like he's been with Jesus. You know, I, I think he's a Christian or she's a Christian, and I, I, they've never really said that. It's just that everything they do is so different than what everybody else does. The way that they live this out is so different than everyone lives it out. And what I want to encourage you about is that is real, that, that, that the presence of God, the presence of Jesus in our lives is the difference that makes all the difference. And it's not just in physical appearance or in the wow factor of people looking at you and saying, man, you're different than everybody else. But it's a, different that plays, a difference that plays out in a lot of, on a lot of different levels. The Dallas Theological Seminary started in like the 1930s, 1920s. And early on, they had um, ran up against the wall of uh, financial crisis, and they were going to close. In fact, they, had the, the, they were having the final board meeting trying to decide just how to go about that. The place was finished, and they were shutting down. And they, in the board meeting, they, just, they, they decided they were going to have a prayer session. And as they were praying, um, Henry Ironside, a lecturer at the school, prayed, God, we know you own the cattle on a thousand hills. We need you to sell some of those cattle and give us the money. That's pretty bold. Well, at that moment, a cattleman rancher walked into the office at the Dallas Theological Seminary tells the secretary that he had just sold two uh, carloads of cattle and he was trying to make a business deal and it didn't happen. It wouldn't go through. And he felt pressed that God really wanted him to give them the money. And so she takes the check knowing this is a really, really important day straight to the board meeting and interrupts them and hands the money to one of the men who then sees it's the exact amount of money they needed. And he said, uh, Harry, I think the Lord sold those cattle for you. God's presence is the difference. Jesus in our lives is the difference that makes all the difference. It's a really, really big deal. My sister said something pretty weird to me. It was at my dad's passing. Shortly after... Um, she and my mom and some of my family were together, and she called me. I wasn't there. And she called, and she said, um, hey, listen, um, what are you doing tomorrow? I, I don't know. Well, we need you to come, uh, come home and spend some time with us. And I said, what's going on? What's this nothing, really? It's just when you're around, things are different. What's that mean? And I said, what are you talking about? This isn't. This isn't about me. She said, well, when you're around, it's, it's fun. But it's not like ha-ha all the time. It's just light. And you feel like this sense of hope and encouragement. And, and it's just not this heavy, miserable stuff we're dealing with. Well, I'm, I, I, okay, of course, I just um, spoke at my dad's funeral a few days before. But, but as, the, as the time went on and a, and a year passed and two years passed and three years passed, she said it again. 
And she called and said it again. And, and then about two weeks ago, she was here. And my mom has since then passed. And she's just hanging out with my brothers and sisters. And she says, hey, are you going to come hang out with us tomorrow? And I said, I'm going to try. You need to be there. I will, I know. No, I mean, you really need to be there. I know. No, you don't understand. Things are different. Things are different when you show up. And what I would tell you is I have nothing to offer them at all. And I know that very well. But when I get to see my family, I ask God to do something. I always have. I don't have anything to offer this place, but when I show up here, I ask God to do something. And I hope he does. I trust that he does. It's, it's his presence. And, and, I, and, I, and I get that when I show up because that's what he told us he would do. That's what he promised us he would be. He even told the disciples... Uh, when, when he's sending them out to tell the message, to share the message, Jesus told his disciples, don't worry about what to say. You guys know the rest of this. The Spirit will give you utterance. Is that with you or what? Don't worry about what to say. I don't, in fact, I don't even want you talking. <laughs> I, I'll, uh, the Spirit of God, I'll tell you what to say. This is Luigi in Cars. You don't know what you want. Luigi knows what. I'm sorry. I just like that line, okay? But you, you, you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. But God knows what to say. And he knows what to do. And, and, and I put that out because you guys know me. My sister knows me. She never once thought when Jamie shows up, things are better. She knows something has happened in his life, and I really want it around. And a lot of times it's in spite of me. No, that's not in spite of me. That's, that's too cheap to God. It's because that's who he is when he shows up. So, so what is the difference that makes all the difference? It's God. It's, he shows up in Moses, and, he, and, and when Moses is all shaken, he says, what, what, why would they want to go with me? And, 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 and God could have just said, well, they don't, and they won't. But I am going to be with you, and I, me being with you is all the difference. Okay, what's your name? I am. You just tell him that. Boom. I am. And so, so then, as Moses is struggling, because God says, if I go with you even for a day, I'm liable to kill you, Moses. Says, but if you don't go with us, don't, don't send us, because the only thing different, different about us is you. That's the only thing that counts. It's the only thing that matters. There's nothing else. Those guys, it wasn't that they lacked for talent. Man, they're incredibly talented people. They're brilliant people with Moses. I mean, incredibly brilliant people, skilled, talented, gifted Nothing makes a difference except you're with us. That's the only thing. And when Moses comes down from the mountain after the Ten Commandments, what's, what's the significant? Him being with God, the dude is glowing. He's like, ah, uh, glowing. And they don't know what to do. It scares people. And you scare people, too. When you allow God to live in you, you scare people. A right kind of scared. Not, not oh, I'm afraid of them, but they're convicted. And that's what Scripture says, right? In, at, at the end of the Beatitudes, blessed are you and persecuted for da, 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 da. They did the same to our prophets. When you're living right, when you're doing right, it bothers people. And the disciples, when, when, when Peter and John cast out Not cast out, but heal the lame man. And they're wrestling with the how and the why of it. And what all happened here? The one thing they had to take note of 
that they had been with Jesus. And that's a really, really big deal. So how does it play out for us? And I would say to you, in the Old Testament, they had the Spirit, or the, they had the presence of God with them. In the New Testament, they had Jesus in the flesh until Acts. And when Acts, when they hit the scene in Acts, the Spirit of God comes on them. And, and the Scripture tells us that we, at our baptism in Acts chapter 2, were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're sealed with the Spirit. He's going to lead you in all truth. And, and from, from God himself to God in the flesh in Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit in you is his, his presence. And it makes all the difference. It's salvation for sure. That's what Acts says. But he goes on to say that in Romans chapter 5, 6 through 8, you see at just the right time while we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man might possibly dare, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. His presence means your salvation. His presence means abundant life. John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. His presence takes care of us in so many ways. Audio Adrenaline captured in one of the songs they sing, Get Down. It says, in your weakness, he is stronger. In your darkness, he shines through. When you're crying, he's your comfort. And when you're all alone, he's carrying you. God's presence is the difference that makes all the difference in our lives. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. In Ephesians chapter 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine... According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Why? Because God is working in me. The presence of Christ is in me. Here's what I want to encourage you with today, I think, just as we wrap up here. There are a lot of places that we chase for significance, and there's a lot of things that we hope will make an incredible difference in our lives. But God's presence is the only presence, the only difference that makes all the difference. And if we're chasing it anywhere else, there'll be a difference. Nice clothes are nice. Sports teams are fun but there's no significant life-changing difference. God's presence does that. And when his presence is in me, and I allow him to live himself out in me, this body here is changed. It's a difficult place to get to surrender to allowing him to be who he wants to be in me. But when, I'm, when I surrender to that, and his presence is in me, this body's different. And when his presence is in you, this body's different. And when, this when his presence is in this body, this county's different. It matters. Every ministry we're involved in comes alive. All that we're hoping for is change. So I want to encourage you today. 
If you want to do something for hope and life, give yourself to God. If you're not a child of God, you can come forward as we stand and sing this song in just a moment. And there'll be an elder at either side of the auditorium and they will be glad to immerse you into Jesus. So if you're struggling with who you are and finding truly who God has called you to be. If you come forward, they will encourage you and, and, and pray for you that God would help you come to understand it better. And they'll even help you with that if you want to study with them. But if you want to make a difference in your life, seek God. And if you want to make a difference in this church family, seek Him. He knows all the stuff. He knows everything we need. Whatever you